0: Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Becoming Relentless. I am your host, Eleanor McCabe, and I'm joined by my amazing co-host.
1: Danielle Kusenberger. (laughs) Woo!
0: Woo! And we're very happy to have y'all back here again listening. We have some very special news,
1: (laughs) some special updates. You should go first with your update. It's more special than mine. I... I guess. Unless you want want to end with the bang and you're the bang.
0: No, no, no. I don't think I'm the bang. You are. Okay, I'm just gonna dive right in. I know everybody's like, what is going on? Not really. Probably people are like, we don't care, but (laughs) (laughs) take care. So, as y'all know, if you've been listening through this year when we started this podcast in November, I had also started contest prep. And now it is September and I'm calling it. So. <laughs> <laughs> she did it, guys.
1: No way, bro. You just did a do 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 do. That was awesome.
0: I did. <laughs> that was awesome. Um I think if you're an advanced competitor or a coach listening to this podcast, you probably had that thought in the back of your mind of like, man, when is Noah going to get on stage? It's been a while and yes, uh I had the same thoughts, but I'm very excited to announce that I am wrapping up this contest prep. I'm not getting on stage this year. We are going to aim for next year, 2024, because I need to practice what we preach. And you can't get on stage if you're not ready and if you're not competitive. And as a pro, going into my pro debut, I really want that to be something special. I know that people say, oh, it's a pro debut. doesn't matter. Like... You can fail your pro debut because no one will remember, like blah, blah, blah. But I take the opposite approach. I have the opposite mindset with it. And I think I think you would agree. Your pro debut is something very special, and it can be something very special, and it can be something that sets you up for success in the pro league. And so that's what I want mine to be. And looking at my physique through this contest prep, I've definitely made improvements. I've brought a lot more muscle across the board, but unfortunately, every time that we would add more cardio in or add in a fat burner or drop food, my glutes would basically deflate like instantly, which tells us that I don't have the glute density or the glute muscle yet to be truly competitive. And I want to present the best physique that I can on the pro stage. I want to come out swinging. And so to do that, I need to take more time. And honestly, <laughs> making that decision was a lot easier than I thought it was going to be or that maybe people would think it would be. And looking back, I don't have any regrets at all. I think some some people ask me, like, well, isn't that frustrating? Because I've been talking about this with, like, my close friends. They're like, you've spent this whole year up to this date so far, like, in a prep. And you're not going get to get on stage. Isn't that frustrating or sad or annoying and I could look at it that way but I really don't feel that way at all like I really don't feel disappointed I feel really good with what we did and I think that going through a deficit a prep and teaching myself not to be so fixated and so emotional about a date and learning truly what it means to put myself through a contest prep without a show date in mind built a lot of mental resilience that I think is just going to serve me moving forward and I had like a lot of lessons along this way like a lot of growth and I'm just really proud of what I did and I think the next 6 months of like growth and really focusing on my glutes like actually really just training for glute growth is going to set me up for so much more success next season. I do
1: believe the one of the reasons why you are so at peace with this as well as just because you knew it was the right decision? Yeah, I definitely did.
0: I definitely knew that this is the right call.
1: <laughs> but like you said, at the end of the day, you want to bring your best. And the only way to do that is to make sure you have time working on in your favor. And that's what you're doing. Yeah, it's going to be good next year. It's going to be really rewarding.
0: I think so, too. I think it's going to be a lot more rewarding to know that I took the time, the proper time. And I'm really excited to like continue to lead my athletes. Like I'm actually really excited because now we're all going through it together. A lot of the girls that I picked up this year that I'm like really lucky to work with all my athletes, they wanted to get on stage this year. And I had to tell them like, let's take the time to grow. Let's wait, put on muscle and we'll see next year. Like I had to tell them that. And so for me, to go through a prep and then not get on stage and now show them, hey, it's okay. Like, it's okay to take the time. It's okay to wait. The stage isn't going anywhere. And I can I can truly lead them through my own actions. It, that feels very rewarding as well. And then next year when we all get to prep together, I think that's going to be super
1: fun. <laughs> it's exciting. It's also funny. I do believe that throughout this podcast, people have learned the type of coaches that we are. And I will say I'm going to ask you this question, but based off my applications, all the applications I'm getting of competitors want to wait until yeah. next year. They're not asking to compete. They all want to be patient with it, which is what we're doing as well as just we represent, especially you taking time off to make sure you're going to do damage on stage. Yeah. I've
0: definitely seen that switch in my yeah. applicants too. I think at the beginning of this year, it was very much like I'd get an applicant and they would say, I want to do a show in November. And now I'm getting applicants. Like even yesterday, I got a woman who signed up with me and she's like, I want to place top three in my first competition ever. I've never competed, but my goal is top three. And I was like, let's make the goal first. Like you're going to win first place and let's take the time to do so. And she was like, yeah, I'm I'm willing to take the time and do the work and I think that's so special. I I would agree. I think this podcast too has really helped with getting our beliefs as coaches out there.
1: I agree. And I also feel like when your coach leads the way, it's easy to follow their lead.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And if you have a coach that's always not being patient with their progress, with preps with anything, you can't expect their athlete to be patient as well. Because we attract exactly who we are and what we preach mm-hmm. and what we do.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah,
1: so, that's super. Ex- next year, next year's. <laughs> year. Yeah.
0: What's crazy though is that the time goes by anyways. Mm-hmm. Like the time goes by so fast. I, I can't even believe that it. it's like halfway through twenty twenty three. Like we're we're in the
1: back you know half funny? of the year. I was driving here in Canes. <laughs> so there's a Canes. Yeah. That's like. By UT campus, right? And I looked at the sign because you know they they have like advertisements, and it said something about cheering up for the new year. And I was like, dude, we're in September, so either a they kept that on since January, <laughs> or they're just really eager. They I are was, ahead of. The we curve. are even yeah. in September. When this drops, we will be. Yeah, but this is August. At the time 30th. of
0: recording, it is not September yet. Yeah actually speaking of that i saw in a store the peppermint mocha coffee cream oh. out
1: peppermint mocha pumpkin a- and peppermint is about
0: to explode
1: pumpkin, i'm gonna go grocery shopping for yeah. fish and i'll be like
0: cool <laughs> the pumpkin spice and like pumpkin stuff i get and like apple crisp because we are going to fall but like peppermint to me that is
1: they're, they're just like let's drop yeah. it all they're like let's go <laughs> honestly i think that's Bring a great all the way to holidays. make money People love Peppermint year-round, so might as well start early. Yeah. Because you're going to have to pull it eventually. That's true. They really do. You can't Marketing find tactics. It. Pick it up from us. Yeah.
0: <laughs> we are actually marketing gurus.
1: <laughs> marketing. We're actually changing the podcast. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Market with no idea. Oh, my gosh. That would be hilarious. If we just reviewed products online. <laughs> People do that. That's how they make money. I it's think that them.
0: could be so funny. That could be amazing.
1: But prep update for you, yeah, very exciting, very new, very different.
0: That is my prep update. We are prepping no longer.
1: (laughs) Prep no
0: prep is over. Funny that you said
1: this year's (laughs) contest prep is at a wrap. We're wrapping it up, but there wasn't any contest. But I think it's awesome. Like there was no contest, only the prep. The contest. So you did say something that I wanted to touch on. Yeah. Time's going to pass anyways. And that's how, people who struggle with cardio, struggle with anything, struggle with their day, struggle with getting things done. Your time's going to pass anyways. It's 8 a.m. It's going to be 8 p.m. at some point. So might as well make your time yeah. worthwhile. Might as well get it done. Might as well accomplish things. That's and just like in you know, a prep phase for you. Might as well improve because the time's going to pass anyways.
0: I like 100% agree. And I think a lot of people do get bogged down and not... They rely too much on the immediate feeling of not wanting to do something versus thinking ahead. Like you're saying the day is going to pass you by anyways. So you might as well do the things that you're supposed to do.
1: But um, I do want to touch on this too. Yeah. Go for it. We know athletes who are eager to be on stage going through a prep. Their goal is to win overall go pro, like it should be and they leave the coach that they're with because the coach believes taking time would be more beneficial for them, they disagree. So they leave the coach they're with, they go with the coach that will prep them for their show date. As an athlete, we understand that when your self-belief is so, so, so high, you believe you can do it, the coach can tell you no, and you're you're like, watch me, which is great to have. Every athlete should believe in themselves so much. Mm-hmm. But you have to be realistic, and the best way to be realistic isn't the fact that you did more cardio than every other athlete, isn't the fact that you pushed so hard, more harder than ever before or this prep was so smooth or you actually gave it your all. It's the fact if you put your physique, your side-by-side pictures next to the overall champion of last year or the champions that are winning right now, if you do not match density-wise or conditioning to that, you cannot expect yourself to do well. You just can't. And that's like the reality check. So you can have so much belief in yourself, but you have to reality check yourself. And that's what makes high-level competitors even a higher-level competitor.
0: Yeah. Wow. (laughs) I got chills for real. That's awesome. I think I have battled through a little bit of that this last prep, obviously, but more in like the June timeframe. And I think we had like a private conversation about it where it was my ego, like it was me having so much self-belief and saying, you know, Jay's telling me I can't step on stage because I don't have enough muscle, but I feel like I could do well anyways. Like I feel like my physique is, is a pro level and pro worthy. But at the end of the day, I was able to step back and be like one, I hired Justin because I have a belief that he will guide me to success. He knows what my goals are. I've been very clear. These are my goals. This is my vision. I'm going to let you drive. Like, I know that you can get me there. And part of that is having trust and faith in your coach that they will get you there. Even if they tell you, you can't step on stage yet. You're not ready. It hurts your ego. But that's that's your ego. It's not
1: reality. Mm-hmm. Yes. And something that I know that you've done within your responses to Justin is thanking him for calling you out or helping you X, Y, Z. And that's something that I do. You should, in my my belief system, be appreciative that your coach allows you to prep. Because that means that they believe that you have done the work to be able to achieve the goal of being able to prep. A prep prepping is a stage. It's not, in my eyes, it's not. For some people, it is just the experience. Let's check off the box. Mm-hmm. But if your goal is to win, you have to earn the right to be entering a prep to go throughout the prep to get on stage. If we do not put you in a prep, it's because it's not because we don't like you. It's not because we don't believe in you. It's because we believe in you so much that you need more work to improve your physique, improve your mindset, improve your relationships, improve to find out what it actually means to grind in the offseason before learning what it means to grind in a prep. Side note, if you think that prepping is going to fix your life because everything's going to have to be in order, that is the last thing you're going to do and you're actually going to run yourself into a hole and not want to prep ever again.
0: Yep. (laughs) Agreed. (laughs) It's not a band-aid fix. Mm -hmm. You can't prep to solve the chaos that is your life. It just doesn't work that way. You have to have your life in order. And that doesn't mean perfect. We've talked about this so many times. It just means Can you handle the day-to-day stress and obstacles that life is going to throw at you? If you can't handle work, school, family, social,
1: and And staying staying
0: on a diet, training, getting your steps, your water, those are basic foundational things. If you cannot get your water in, if you cannot hit your steps every day,
1: then you can't do a contest prep. And another thing, I get it. Like some weeks you might train four days instead of five, X, Y, Z. You need to be able to hit your stuff, like no one's saying, every week for a consistent period of time, not just one good month. Yes. (laughs) Not just one week out of the month (laughs) where it was a really good week. I hit it. I'm ready.
0: (laughs) No, you're not. (laughs) Exactly. I talk so much about consistency because it truly does matter in terms of the compounding interest over time. Your consistency is what is going to get you closer to your goals or further away. If you are consistently taking small bites, licks, tastes of food and things off plan, you're consistently not going to get the results that you're wanting. Whereas if you're consistently hitting your plan, day to day, you might not see the change, right? I I have some athletes come to me or even myself, even myself, I'll use myself as an example. I will have a free meal, which is prescribed to me, but I'll have my free meal and the scale goes up. And then in the next two, three days, I'll hit my plan 100%, and then the scale won't go down. And sometimes I have that thought of like, damn, wait, I'm hitting the plan 100%. Why is nothing happening? It's not that nothing is happening. It's just that the scale is a tool and it's data. And really what I should be looking for is trends over time. Because if I look at my pictures or if I look at the way that my clothes are fitting, that's what's changing. That's what's different. Or maybe I have more energy and I'm hitting... PR's in the gym, I'm, my strength is going up. In that, term, in that case, if my training's going up, then inflammation could be up, which is why I might not see the scale move for a little bit. So there's so many different reasons and people just get so hyper fixated on one thing instead of just celebrating the consistency that they're doing. So for me, what I've realized now is like, yeah, I can have that free meal. And for the next week, my data might not change. But I know consistently I'm hitting my plan, and the next week I might see a three pound drop, or not. But what matters over time is that I am consistently sticking
1: to plan. That's part of just letting your coach drive mm-hmm. and let just execute. Yeah, when you think thinking. too much, <laughs> you, exactly. When you allow yourself to like get too attached to little tangibles, to little variables, or the meal has to be eaten at twelve, not twelve fifteen. Little stuff like that. That's when you start getting yourself too wrapped up and you actually will a lot of times cause more stress and more harm than good.
0: Yeah. Actually, I think we touched on this too. Just you and I, when we were talking, if you stress yourself out about those little variables, that stress causes more damage.
1: I had an athlete (laughs) ask if he should decrease his water by two ounces. Two ounces is It's very small. You don't, you order a coffee out and they might have two more ounces than usual. So little things like that, when you get too attached to little variables, then you're driving yourself crazy. And therefore you're going to see and cause issues just because you believed that this small thing caused you issues. And we believe anything that we can convince our minds to. And that's why the same thing when we get prep Mm -hmm. goggles and prep of, I look like this when in reality you don't. And that's why you need a coach that will call you out. You get kind of thing.
0: (laughs) Yes. No, that's such a good point. It's so true. That's why you need a good coach and you need to stick with them. When you hire your coach, when you find your fit, if you align with that coach, I promise you, if you're four weeks out and that coach tells you, you're not ready to step on stage, I'm sorry, we have to push back or pull out or not step on stage. It's not that all of a sudden you and the coach aren't a good fit. It's that the coach cares about you so much, wants to see you win and knows that you can do better. Mm -hmm. And I think people... It is prep goggles is a real thing. They just forget that that hey, you hired that coach in the first place. You trust them for a reason, right?
1: <laughs> Especially when you go out through an off season with them, they care. We care. Yeah, I know. I care.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I care a ton, and then I get sad. I'm no, like
1: it hurts us to send y'all the text <laughs> yeah. of listen, we would be better fitted for next year more so than it probably hurts y'all. <laughs> it's true. That's because we care. What about your contest prep? Updates. (laughs) Today. So we both checked in today, correct? Yes. Yeah. Good, good week. Very good week. Actually, best week (laughs) I've had. And I knew it would be because my stress was, well, I wasn't traveling this week. Stress is, stress is getting handled. (laughs) But I make sure the biggest thing is that my ducks in a row throughout the week, my sleep is always first and foremost. Even if stress is high, if you can make your sleep first and foremost, you're still gonna see a lot of recovery aspects improve from that. Cardio is 4,000 a week, split up how I want. Meal plans have been the same. Very low food, but great food. (laughs) And honestly, this is the most energized I've ever been in a prep setting, which I wouldn't, it's not the protocols are easy. Because this is definitely by far the most ca- most cardio I've done ever. The ha- most calories for cardio I've done ever before this was for 45 for like five times a week in the morning. Mm. But now that's like nothing compared to this. So it's just, it's funny how things- How do you split it up for people who might not realize? Great question. So I'll do two days. I'll usually on Thursday and Friday if I'm feeling, not if I'm feeling, sometimes you just don't feel good. But Thursday and Friday in the mornings, I'll try to get as much done as I can. So whether that's 500 or whether that's 700, at least 500. If I can get close to the 700 in the morning, which I've never hit a 700. Most I've hit is a 670. Mm-hmm. And then I'll call it for that morning session. I'll go back in the afternoon. Afternoons are always at least 20 minutes, which is around 250 cal. If I know that... It would be more beneficial for me to end at that at 250. Mm-hmm. Then I'll just pack on more cardio to do on another day. If I know that I can push myself right now and my recovery is fine and I'm... I'm fl- The biggest thing, your legs are going to go numb. So I had an athlete ask me if my legs go numb during cardio. Absolutely, mm-hmm. they go numb. Absolutely, it hurts. Absolutely, I don't want to go another 300 more calories. Absolutely, I'm going to push myself to do it. So there's also as an advanced athlete, you, I've been able to understand my physique in terms of what pushing myself looks like, even when my body hurts versus what pushing myself looks like when it's going to hinder my progress. Thursday and Friday, I try to get as much done cardio-wise. Every day after that, it's 500 in the morning and then 200 or more in the afternoon. If I'm feeling really good, really good, I'll do more mm-hmm. in the afternoon. If I'm not, then I'll just pack it on. But at the end of the day, like, You got to get it done. So if that means Tuesday comes around and I have more than I like this Tuesday than last Tuesday. Oh, well, you just get it done. done. Yeah. What (sighs) helps right now. Consistency in terms of this is my wake schedule and this is the time I get to the gym in the morning. So routine in the afternoon, I allow some flexibility. So sometimes I'll do it around 2 p.m. I don't do it post-workout ever. Yeah, I always eat and I wait an hour and do it, or I eat, wait two to three hours and do it. So it really depends on how I'm feeling. I think for some people having that set routine is very beneficial in the afternoon. I also believe that if you get too tied up with one schedule and your life is wanting you to pivot otherwise, but you're so tied up with this one schedule, you can also find yourself dragging because you didn't pivot with life. So you have to allow yourself to have some flexibility. Yeah,
0: I agree. I think that's important. Sometimes there have been times when fasted cardio just isn't going to work for my day. So same thing. I'll do it in the afternoon. Or I know some people, because they have an inflexible schedule, if they can't do fasted, they'll train at lunch and then do cardio at night. Or they'll train at night and do post-workout cardio. It kind of depends on the schedule and their recovery like capacity, but I think it's really important to know that you can be flexible. You don't have to stick to the same rigid schedule every day
1: to be successful. I want to note two things too here. Number one is my weight always drops, always hundred percent drops after I take more rest from cardio. So actually, it was one twenty nine on my check in last week, which was last Wednesday. Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, I went up to 130. And then on Sunday, I dropped back down to 128. So that's another thing when we talk about weight, like weight's going to fluctuate. This is why I track it every day. If I were to track it once a week, I might hit 130 on my next check-in and be like, oh, shoot, scale's going up. When in reality, I had two new low weigh-ins this week. Right. Kind of thing. So you just got to, you have to be mindful with knowing your body. Mine does well when I train, but have less, like it. There's just drops that happen. Is yours like that? It, I've noticed
0: after leg days, my weight will definitely go up. Food doesn't affect my physique as much. I can like have a high day and my weight will stay pretty stable. It's more training and cardio. It's more the output than it is food for me right now. But I think that's just like from time. Mm-hmm.
1: It's interesting. My body is definitely showing me different results in terms of responses within changes of cardio and XYZ, XYZ being prep protocols due to the environmental change of just prepping on my own for the first time ever and living alone is what I mean Yeah, in a very long time. So a lot of the biofeedback that I've had from my past preps are different than this one, which is exciting to see. Yeah. I also want to answer a question for the audience because I know they probably have this question of, for us, mm-hmm. it's new this year, I believe, that doing cardio in terms of this many calories in a week versus you hit 500 every single day. Yeah. 500 fast. It has to be fasted. I do think once you get certain t- weeks out, it is, personally, I would like to have fasted. Mm -hmm. I think it's more mandatory to have that, but it is exciting being 10 plus weeks out and having a set goal of calories burned from cardio versus do this many at this time.
0: Do you think like having the calorie goal, you're able to give more effort than -hmm. if it was to be like 30
1: minutes a day? Definitely. And I will say like Wednesdays, for example, today's Wednesday, I don't do cardio at all. Unless I have, I wake up and I'm I'm like, it would definitely help if I did afternoon cardio today. So I might do that. Mm -hmm. If I were told that on Wednesday, I have to do this many, I would get done, but it might fit my schedule better if I was able to do that Friday. Yeah, And it might, because of that, because I have more time, fits my schedule better. Cortisol won't be as high throughout the day because it fits my schedule better. I have, the results of the productivity within my day within training and protocols might be better as well as the actual cardio session and the responses from my physique might be better Mm -hmm. from that as well. But like I said, once I get certain weeks out, I think it is important to have set. Yeah.
0: I think uh, when you're closer to the show date, your target goal, fasted cardio serves more of that like 1% better purpose because you are lower body mm-hmm. fat, you can start utilizing supplements like Yohambine HCL, mm-hmm. alpha lipoic acid, acetyl carnitine, like supplements that when you're fasted help to mobilize the fatty acid. acids yeah, in your bloodstream, like upon waking. So I do think that using those supplements when you're closer to your target date for fasted cardio, is advantageous, right? I like do you're, think it's
1: important. Yeah, you definitely see it in your physique for sure. Mm-hmm. As as we've experienced, the injectable L-carnitine saw a great response on my physique. Did not see the great response out of the actual injection spots, but <laughs> <laughs> but I like I said, you d- your fasted look just looks sharper. Mm-hmm and because of that not there is a physical response obviously happening right. you look sharper or it's you got there's physical happening but there's also a mental response when you can wake up and look at yourself in the morning and be like wow i look this much better than yesterday and that little of that little dopamine hit of wow i look better than yesterday is going to improve your cardio session in the morning but like i said it's i do think it's important for the fatty acids
0: yeah and obviously like when you're so far out from a show it's not as critical to fight for that like fat loss because you should already be seeing results of fat loss from just basic cardio diet consistency. It's really when you're getting closer to show
1: mm-hmm. that and I, I, that I, extra edge helps. I agree. And I do for all of my athletes that have a long duration, long calorie burned goal for cardio. If you're like 2, 500 a, a week, I'm gonna give you set days because, well, number one, dude, t- hitting two fifty in the morning is easy. If you have four thousand in a week, I'm gonna let you handle that because that is a a decent amount more, mm-hmm. and you understand your fits. You get your fatigue. Two fifty in the morning is easy to hit, though. So hitting that four times a week that's easy to fit in your schedule, right? Hitting 500 in the morning and then 500 at night or in the afternoon and me telling you what, like what days to do that is harder to fit in your schedule. So you got to figure that on your own kind of thing.
0: Yeah, I agree. I also, it depends on my relationship with the athlete Mm -hmm. of how I'll assign their cardio to, because if they're a little bit more advanced or if their schedule is super varied or, I have a longer relationship with them that I understand how they operate as an athlete. I'm more likely to give them like the total amount. So I'll say like, okay, do 2000 calories this week, split it up how it fits your schedule, but get it done. And sometimes I'll ask them to do times. So they'll send me pictures yeah, the their time. Sure. Just so I can see like, mm-hmm. where's the effort? And is it, because if I need to crack down on them and be like, okay, no, you know, I'm sorry, but you're gonna have to do 250 every day, send me a pic. It's gotta be fast. It's because I, I didn't see the effort when I gave you too much free reign. So it also depends on like the relationship with the athlete. And like, I think that's why this prep, Justin was able to just be like, here, here's your cows. Whereas like last prep, it was, it actually got to the point where I was like so high cardio that it was just like, okay, two hours a day, <laughs> like, yeah. like do the damn thing, just get it done. Mm-hmm. Um, which I hope that. Everyone doesn't have to experience, but also does because I feel like two hours of cardio a day, it kind of shows you what it's like to really grind Mm -hmm. as a competitor, like mentally. It's more a mental thing than it is physical because, yeah, your your feet goes numb, your hips go numb, like your mind starts to wander. But if you can focus in on that two hours, go through your posing routine in your head, visualize yourself on stage, just manifest and visualize while you're there and like maybe listen to music or a podcast, educate yourself. Then those two hours are well spent. But I also, when I was a new competitor and I was doing two hours of like Stairmaster, that was torture. (laughs) So I feel like as you advance, you kind of learn.
1: You definitely learn. I will say all of my athletes that I have that are competitors. So any lifestyle athletes, I don't have a lot of cardio for them ever. At all, the most the cardio I have for my lifestyle athlete is 300 five times a week. I, I like to manipulate food a lot, but that's beside the point. That what I'm talking about is with my competitor athletes, every single one of them, because they know the coach of I am, the, the coach that I am, the level of the standard that I hold for every one of them, and the fact that they don't want to be the worst on the team. But they also care about achieving their goals as well more so than – they want first place. They want overall. They want a title. I'm able to give them the free range because I know that they're hitting it. But I also do the, do the times with them at first because I. it's very important. If you're hitting 250 calories in 40 minutes, dude, what are you doing? You're walking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the machine is messed up because sometimes, sometimes you'll find an elliptical and it's like, dude – the one at the Hanover, it it's a hundred calories burned for twenty minutes, and it's and just so there ain't no way. Like that's forty minutes, yeah. for two hundred. That yeah. means that's fifty minutes for three hundred, and it should not be. 50, it should not no. be an hour of cardio for three hundred calories. No, definitely not. No. So it is important to have like those variables for sure.
0: That's a good point. That's also another reason why you should send pics to your coach of your cardio when they ask, just in case you're using a janky machine (laughs) and you don't know. I remember when Jay gave
1: me 500 (laughs) cows in the morning and I was on that Hanover.
0: I remember. And I was
1: like, there's no way I've been on here for this long and I'm only this deep. Like there's just no way. And I'll get it done, but there's just no way. And like, then I went to Lifetime where I'm at now and it's back to like where it should be in terms of they're all going to be slightly different, but the machines are near the same of the Whitley, which is where I used to do cardio. So it's important to make sure you try to get the same kind of machine as well. So variables are. Yeah. Alike.
0: I agree. What is, before we wrap up our contest prep updates, what is one thing that you have learned this prep one lesson?
1: (laughs) I'm laughing because there's like two million. <laughs> Let me pick one. You can get more than one. I think that's we cool. Learned about this prep, yeah, in this prep yeah, in this prep. in this
0: prep about this prep, a lesson that you've learned within this
1: prep. you're like, d I asked you one simple question. There is no need <laughs> to make this bigger than it is we're
0: gonna we're gonna talk about five things now
1: <laughs> that is hilarious. Being mentally aligned and making sure your environment aligns with the same kind of mental health goals you have will correlate to not only how your body responds, but the self, the path that you're on throughout the prep. And I do believe that. That's just something people have to experience on their own. So, if you were to ask me last year, well, two years ago, last year was a wash. <laughs> two years ago for nationals, that was the most mental line I've ever been. But my environment didn't align with that 100% either. So, at the time, that is the best my environment could have gone. It still didn't align with me 100%. That's just the best it was. Like, that's, there wasn't, I was gonna stay living where I was living. I wasn't gonna move XYZ. Right now, I've realized the capacity of where my life can be mentally in terms of the alignment and how I'm able to, because I'm alone more, push that alignment to go further in different directions. Does that make sense?
0: Yes. It makes a lot of sense. I like that. I like that a lot. That's a good lesson. And I think
1: it's going to carry over outside of your prep. Do you want to know something though? (laughs) Uh It's a lesson that I'm learning because there, as of recently- very recently, there's a lot of tools I don't have in my toolbox that I want to have in my toolbox in order to personally develop myself in the ways that I want. So there's a lot of things that I, tangibles Mm -hmm. of tools to take on new lessons to become more aligned and stronger as an, like an individual. I don't have any of those tools. So that's where I'm at within my life, but I'm still mentally aligned. So you can still have missing tools in your toolbox, but still be mentally aligned at the same time.
0: I, You sound like you understand where you're at, like currently, but you see where you could be and where you want to be. And so you're
1: forging that path. Mm-hmm. Another thing I learned. I'm going to say one more. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. This is why you don't ask me questions Another like that. It's important to understand, especially as a competitor, the sport can be lonely. Whenever you're learning lessons in life or going through a prep or anything, sometimes we feel like we should isolate ourselves because that's the better option. And even though it's important to have more self-time, it's important not to isolate yourself because... You learn more from other people who are leading the way, who are above you in certain areas or learned more than you or have experienced the same experiences, but have gone through and come out the other side. Not my words. (laughs) You learn more from those people than you do just experimenting on your own, feeling lost at the same time. I think if you have mentors that are above you and teaching you the way, you're still going to go through the same lost, finding your own path kind of journey, but you have someone to help you be led. And that's more powerful than doing it on your own.
0: Yeah, I agree. I saw a quote somewhere that said, you can't heal alone. You have to heal with others. And I liked that a lot because I do think it's natural for us to want to isolate, especially in a prep setting when things get really hard. But being able to lean on a community or have a mentor or have somebody in your life who you know supports you and has been through similar things or can take you through it as well. Like not they're they're not gonna hold your hand and take you through it step by step, but they're more call so you out. they and they can see it
1: happening with you and they can guide you Mm -hmm. or lead you because I do feel like too based off and I feel like I'm in that right now I have these goals mostly personal goals of becoming like the person and woman I want to become I also have a subconscious lens on weaknesses that are occurring right now that I can't exactly see but others have pointed out and they're not weaknesses in terms of pointing fingers or weaknesses in terms of, hey, these things are occurring. Let me help you up and show you how this, fixing this area, is going to actually help you become the woman that you want to become. Kind of thing. Oh, interesting. I like that a lot.
0: <laughs> That's hard, but I like it. Thank you for sharing with everyone. Share yours. What's something you learned in this prep? Mine. Something I learned in this prep. Oh, goodness. <laughs> basically that my intuition is a lot stronger and I would like to listen to it a lot more because I knew a long time ago that trying to get on stage this year probably wasn't the right decision But I also don't think that there is a right or wrong. I think that I needed to go through everything that I went through this year in order to finally see that I need to trust myself more and that also I had so much more growth ahead of me. And we talk a lot about taking the time, not rushing, and I think I kind of let my ego maybe lead the way in this prep thinking that I could do it and it does have it goes back to that self-belief like I have such a strong self-belief in myself that I think sometimes that I can make anything happen and I still believe that but there is always a process and I think a lesson another lesson from this prep is it has to do with the time I've been really studying being present and not relying on literal time, like, um, what would you call it? Like, is, like like man-made time, like actual time. Like you get up in the morning and you look at your watch or you look at the phone or you look at the clock and there's a time that reads there, but really that it doesn't exist. Time is just a metric that we use to know when we should be showing up to places mm-hmm. or doing things but it actually doesn't exist like past and future are not real they don't exist only in our in our minds in our ego in our sub like our conscious our un our unconscious thinking mind and i'm working really hard on learning to stay present and being in the moment in the now and just being and not thinking so much because when you think that's not actually you. Your being is much more than your mind. Your mind is a tool and the thoughts that you have are generated from your mind, but you as a being is more than that. And we become so identified with our minds that we become trapped in our own thoughts and patterns and feelings. When in reality, we're we're, we're more than that. And I think I'm starting to tap into a deeper level of consciousness but that comes from a lot of practice of me being present, not worrying so much about time, 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 and just realizing that all I have right here is right now, right in front of me. So it really doesn't matter, like my anxieties that might pop up about being on stage or or winning or whatever. That's all in the future. I That is, it doesn't exist. Like what exists is right here in front of me right now what can I do right now to get myself closer to where I want to be is just
1: being in the now. (laughs) I love that. So I had two things that popped up in my head. Number one is the anxiety part. And I do believe I learned this in the book that you're reading power of now. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've gotten to this part, but anxiety is rooted in the future. So worrying about the future and a lot of the depression that we experience is rooted in the past. Mm -hmm. And so which that stuck with me because throughout my life, when I've realized my anxiety is high, it's always because i worried in the future. And then my oppression was running away from what was in the past. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't gotten to that part, it's very exciting. So it's, that that book, The Power of Now is super, super good.
0: I start my day with it. And it's, it's changed a lot of just the way I operate day to day. Even this morning, like mm-hmm. driving here, somebody cut me off And I was like, hey, like I said it out loud. I was like, hey, what the heck? And then I I thought about it and I just like took a deep breath. I was like, it doesn't matter. We're all good. Like I'm here. Nothing happened. It's fine. You know what I mean? Because
1: I I probably would be the one to cut you off and you'd be like, oh, D, come on.
0: (laughs) But it's just it's almost like realizing that anytime I'm triggered, being able to have awareness around it and being like, oh. I don't actually have to get emotional about this. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like, and instead coming from a place of like, oh, maybe this person's in a rush. Maybe they're late. Like, let me extend some sympathy towards them or empathy and just Mm kind of go about my business. Like stay in my own lane, focus on myself and not worry about like, oh, they cut me off and I'm going to get all angry and blah, blah. It's just, it's been really nice to be able to catch myself and be aware, and be like, huh, that's an interesting thought. Like, I wonder why I was so offended by that, and then just, like,
1: move on. <laughs> it is it's it is fun to study your mind in that way. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of us, especially, you no know, offense, older generation, but I think the older generation, and I might be wrong, maybe it's just the way that I was gr- – I grew up as a kid. They operate with their mind first, and so their mind thinks a certain way because they've been – The way we teach our mind is what our mind believes, right? Mm -hmm. So if you, your family taught you different religions, they taught you, you do this, you eat this meal on this day, X, Y, Z, you do this at this time. We even taught that your mind believes that we do that at this time or do this thing. But my mind is different because I've been taught differently. And then we lead with our minds. That's why just like I said, people's, um, they get taught what, what they get taught and they lead with that. I don't think people realize that you can actually choose to think differently in a moment and then believe differently at the same time. And I believe that the generation that we're in Mm -hmm. and even, I don't know the names, but the new generation, (laughs) the generations to come.
0: Well, I think we're different generations because I'm technically a millennial, but I I don't know if I'm a, like, yeah, I, I don't don't, to, that. that's
1: funny. But, but the point of it is the generations, right? Us and people near our age yeah. understand most of them. Hopefully people that listen to this podcast, mostly understand that our mind could be taught through from our parents or XYZ to believe this certain way.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yet we want to believe this. Therefore we're going to choose to believe this way and our mind can then adjust towards what we want to believe kind of thing.
0: Yeah. And the something that I'm pulling from the book as well is just because you think a certain way, like you're saying, doesn't mean that you have to just operate from that thought. Something I found really helpful is literally in my mind, like visualizing myself out of my mm-hmm. brain that's
1: very powerful and look
0: you know what i mean like it's almost like you're observing your own brain your own thoughts and just observing like no judgment
1: I'm just that awareness wow, i want to write that down i'm yeah. such a writing down freak reminder that i want to literally write that down i want to do that
0: I'll, I'll i'll uh text it to you and i'm gonna like, do it with my emotional
1: it. standpoint yeah
0: it's been it's been life-changing it's been awesome and i feel way less just stressed, anxious, triggerable. Like I'm very zen. And what's funny is a lot of people when they meet me or when we get to know each other and we talk, a lot of people say like, oh, you just seem very calm. You seem very quiet, very calm, very zen. And that's funny to me because I I haven't always felt that way. Like internally, I've been a stress ball, like neurotic. And I think I'm actually finally finding my power in being very s- calm and Zen and the power that I exude is, is starting to actually be who I am on the inside, which is really cool.
1: That is super special. <laughs> I'm excited for you to go through this next chapter, next because chapter, I know it's going to be very like personal bowl and your development, which is exciting. Very exciting. And I get to watch it happen. I do agree there was something that you said and I wanted to touch on. This is, so I we spoke about this the other day last mm-hmm. week I think we were meeting before the podcast and I said that we feel our own emotions ten times more than other people can feel our emotions. So if I walk into a room and you're like, "Oh, these energy like she's sad," you feel my emotions and I'm gonna feel bad that you felt them. But I feel that sadness two hundred million times more than you ever like you experienced from my energy. Yeah, and I think that's something that a lot of people forget, like yourself right now. I agree. You're when I first met you, and even now I'm like, dude, she's zen. If I can, if I can, <laughs> on the list of Noah five <laughs> things, calm is always going to be on there. You may be like. Who who put that on there? I'm not calm at all. That's because you're with yourself all the time. You're internal. I don't get to experience ever, never will, get to experience the internal Noah that you know. I will never know that, Noah. Only you will. And same thing is like me. You'll never know the D that I know, but you'll know the D that you see and get to experience on the outside. And even though that's the same person, I'm not fake towards you or anything like that. Right. You're not in my mind. I'm not in your mind.
0: I don't know why this is like mind blowing me right now.
1: It's because exciting. It, it makes sense. And that's why you, yeah. when you take yourself, and this is another thing, that there's perspectives you can, I don't know if that's second. There's different, you can say it's second, it's not fourth perspective, but has a, a label. That's one perspective to look at things. Another is you take yourself, so we're here, and we take ourselves and we put ourselves there. We can look and see our mind on this side. So you're reading your emotions, what you just said, you're reading your mind and what it's thinking, what it wants to think, X, Y, Z. But by observing and studying yourself, you're able to then come back into yourself and know how to assess the next stages of how to fix a certain issue mm-hmm. or how to fix a belief that you don't want to believe or why at this point you get triggered. Like you don't know why you get triggered, but you you stepped outside of your person so you were able to assess at this point within conversations or this i have this button that gets pushed and that's when i blow up Mm. so little self tactics of practicing things like that definitely they're fun to do they're really fun they're really it's funny because for me personally if i were to able to sit here and just do a practice like that like take myself out and look at myself on the inside and look at my brain you're able to detach your ego and leave your ego with the physical person because the ego is the mind Mm -hmm. thinking about things so you're watching your ego perform which means you're free to just be who you want to be in that moment too yeah which is it's just fun to watch what your ego wants to do and then you're able to then come in And assess, okay, I don't want to be that way anymore. So I'm going to find a pathway to stay conscious about what my ego wants to act or what it wants to think and then work around that or with it.
0: Yeah. It's really fun. And it's work, but it's fun work. Like it's something that I really would encourage everybody listening to try, especially like staying present. It's okay if you can't do it for more than a few seconds. Like even doing a few seconds, you'll feel that like deep sense of just calm. If you're going through your day, this is something that I just read in the book, but it was saying that if you go through your day and you constantly feel this low level buzz of like discomfort, unease, boredom, you just, you feel as though there's something missing, but you can't pinpoint what it is. It's that you're you're too tied up in your own thoughts, your own mind. You're mm-hmm. living in your ego, in your mind and your thoughts, and you're too identified with what your brain is telling you. So if you can even just sit with yourself for a second and step back and like Dee is saying, even like visualize yourself stepping outside of yourself and just observe, observe your thoughts, observe yourself, observe what am I feeling and bring awareness to it, shine light on it you will be so surprised by how quick that feeling of like, ooh, discomfort just disappears. Like you have to shine your light on it and bring awareness to it. And then you'll feel this peace. And that is you being present.
1: It is you being present, but you have to practice doing that a bunch. Yeah, which is a a lot of practice. It does. So I I did that when I wanted to recover my binge eating habits a year ago. Mm Mm-hmm. I was still binge eating, but not to the point of where I used to be last year. And so I did that. I would, as I wanted, like, could feel the triggers of, man, I really want to just eat right now, like, yeah. eat, like binge eat. I would just take a step out and I'd be like, the ego in, my, in myself wants me to and will allow me to binge eat. But if I remove myself from my body or kind of thing that you're saying... I feel like I have control to say no and be mm-hmm. content and not be food obsessed, but be how I want to be. So that has definitely helped me with my binge eating yeah. uh, recovery.
0: It's very powerful. Do it in heartbreaks. <laughs> <laughs> do it, do, do it with and
1: everything. everything.
0: Yeah. Especially I think in a contest prep, like practicing this through the contest prep is honestly what kept me grounded and kept me going because like I said I knew I knew in like June that pushing for stage pushing for a show probably wasn't what I wa- like what I needed to do but I was I was stubborn and I wanted to prove something but the more that I practiced being present and really just reflecting on is this my ego or is this me I realized This is not what I truly want to do. Me as a human, me as a coach, as an athlete, as a leader, I want to walk the walk and I want to step out of my ego Mm -hmm. and truly improve myself and just be, just be day to day versus chasing a stage date. So yeah, I think it's incredibly powerful if you can do it in contest prep, especially because I think... In contest prep you start to get addicted to like stimulation, dopamine. Like some people get really addicted to activity and they overdo it. Some people get really addicted to food pages, food porn and that's all they look at. Like there's there's addictions that come up especially in contest prep because everything's so controlled. Your ego's looking for that dopamine mm-hmm. spike, looking for something to obsess about. So if you can separate yourself from that, it'll help you a ton. Um, but I also think it'd be really ha- like really applicable outside of contest prep too. Just in your general life,
1: highly, highly recommend. <laughs> we can help you with that. Yes, Dang. Well, I hope y'all got so much from that. I we, know. We Start out with prep updates, and I knew I knew once you asked me the question, I was like, D, you're gonna go we're just gonna go That's- because. But I love rabbit holes. I do too. I think this was incredibly insightful and helpful and there's a lot hope. of practices that i'm gonna go home and do yeah especially the i just i love being able to know that you're never gonna know like the d that i know but you're only gonna know the d that you know and like i'm only gonna know the noah that i know but i'm never gonna know the noah that you know yeah that's so special because that means that you have your own relationship with yourself that no one in the freaking world will ever come close to and that's why it's so important to become your best friend last podcast (laughs) full circle (laughs) if you haven't listened to our
0: becoming your best friend podcast go listen to that right now (laughs) shameless plugs bye (laughs) thanks guys we will talk to you again very soon
1: peace thank you for listening to our podcast becoming relentless we hope that you leave this podcast feeling really relentless that's what our goal is here Please leave us a five-star review. If you want to reach us, you can reach us through DM. My Instagram is Neil Kistenberger. Noah, where can they find you? My Instagram is Noah McCabe underscore IFBB pro
0: and our Becoming Relentless podcast Instagram will also be linked in the bio. Make sure that y'all keep coming back every week. Like, share, subscribe. We love being tagged in your stories. And as always, uh, leave us a comment, any questions, and we'll catch you on the next one.